The Bible passage that we're going to be reading is from Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 12 through to 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. All right. We're keen to get into the Bible this morning, and that is what we are going to do. So, looking at this idea of brothers and sisters in Christ, as we jump into this topic, I'm going to put uh, the face of this guy up on screen. Anybody anybody know this guy? No? No? Uh, according to his LinkedIn profile, he's head of program management at something called Equinex. Not sure what that is. Uh, his top skills are portfolio management, risk management, data integration, business analysis. Sounds like maybe a good guy. Uh, to have if you're looking at some finance stuff. Let's have a look at his resume here. He worked at HSBC, you know, for a few years. That's kind of impressive. Uh, the NAB before that. And and a professional poker player. Interesting. Now, I, I share this with you, okay, but, but I wonder, does this make, you know, it's a little bit interesting, I guess, if you're kind of into finance or, you know, professional gambling. But, you know, who who is this guy? What does he, what does he mean to you? My assumption is not much. Uh... Unless I tell you that his last name happens to be Snare, which, if you're visiting with us, is the same as my last name. And as it turns out, we're not distantly related to one another, but Andy here, who I've known as Andrew for my entire life before he said, you know, call me Andy, is my brother. Alright? This is, uh, this is a young James and Andrew there, next to our rather more adult selves. Now, I shared the fact uh, that I had a brother with my growth group earlier this year, not in any sort of meaningful way, I just sort of casually mentioned it, and for some reason, th- th- these guys just couldn't process it. Uh, they were they were shocked. I, I believe words like, uh, you have the personality of an only child, were thrown around, which I'd, I've chosen not to take negatively. Uh, but no, I, I have a brother who I love dearly, always have, always will. Uh, we, don't, we don't talk much anymore, apart from some occasional messages and that sort of stuff. Uh, it's not because we had any sort of big falling out or anything like that. We've just lived in different cities and moved in different circles for a long time. Uh, but he's my brother, and I love him, and nothing will change that. From the time that he was born until uh, I was 17 when I left home for the first time, uh, nobody in this world did I spend more time hanging out with, playing with, fighting with. Uh, we are connected in, you know, by history, but even more, we're connected by blood. And it doesn't matter where we live, it doesn't matter how much we talk to each other or not, nothing changes the fact that he is my brother. And, as it turns out, it's a little bit the same with our spiritual family in Christ. We don't all share the same blood, but we share the same spirit. And that makes us family, whether we would choose to be or not. 
I don't know what your relationship with your brothers or sisters might be like, whether you've had some, whether it's a good relationship, a bad relationship, or a non-existent one if you're an only child. But there's something about this brother-sister relationship that we all recognize is special, and it's grounded in this fact that it's something that's given to us, not something that we necessarily choose. And we're going to think about the significance of that this morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at what it means or how we become brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to think about what it means for us to be brothers and sisters forever, the kind of unbreakable nature of what it means to be siblings. Then we'll think a little bit about what a healthy sibling relationships in Christ look like. And then finally, we'll kind of sum it all up to think about how that should shape us. So first up, uh, how do we become brothers and sisters in Christ? Let me uh, read you again this little bit here from Romans 8. Because the idea that we see here is this, this theological word uh, adoption. Okay, It's not actually in the passage, but it's the kind of way that we talk about what it means for us to become part of God's family. We were outside of Christ, we were far from Christ, but when we believe in him, we're born again into his family. We've got a spiritual birth into his spiritual family, and this passage here helps us to understand what that looks like. So it says from verse 15 in Romans 8, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Okay, so can you see the progression there? Everyone who believes is given the spirit of sonship. Everyone who believes in God has him as their father. And so that makes us God's children. And particularly we have this relationship with Jesus We are where we are co-heirs with Christ. You can sort of see that sibling idea starting to come out, right? Jesus is the uh, most properly, uh, the, sorry, the most proper person that we should call God's son. But we are made God's children through faith in him. And then we share in that sonship with Jesus which makes that that sibling sort of idea come in with him. But it gets said even more explicitly than that in this Hebrews passage. So in Hebrews chapter 2 it reads, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. That's Jesus through his death on the cross. He perfectly becomes the saviour God intended him to be. Then it says, Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy, that's those who believe in Jesus, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. This passage helps us to understand what Jesus has done for us when he died on the cross in order to break the bondage of sin and death that we're all trapped in. And when we believe in him, we're set free from that. But what it also helps us to understand is that when Jesus became one of us, when the eternal son of God became human, he became a brother to us because he shares our humanity with 
us. And for all those who believe, we're joined and united to him as co-heirs with Christ, one who shares our, huma- our, huma- our humanity with us. And in him, there is this brotherhood, and he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. We're part of the same family. Jesus taught during his earthly ministry, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is how Jesus defines his family. All those who who do the will of the Father, who obey him, who have faith in him, who trust in him, these are part of God's family, and so we're brothers and sisters in Christ together. And this is a really like strong theme in the New Testament. Okay, the word Adelphoi there, which is the word that sometimes gets translated brothers, sometimes brothers and sisters, that's used 150 times in the New Testament. That's the plural version. And the, the word Adelphos, brother, gets used 120 times in the New Testament. When you start to look for it, you just see it everywhere. Okay, and I want to give you just a, a small sampling how all the different New Testament authors use this at some point. Okay? So here's Peter in the very first sermon preached after the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples at Pentecost. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Later in that same sermon, brothers and sisters, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is there to this day. In the epistles that Paul wrote, In Romans it says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Corinthians, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships we suffered. In Galatians, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. In Ephesians 6, peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, Colossians 1, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. In 1 Thessalonians, we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And then the author to the Hebrews, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. James, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Peter, again, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honour the king. This idea of us being brothers and sisters in Christ, and this is only a small sampling. Again, if you start to look for it, you see it again and again and again and again. This is the main way that the New Testament authors refer to each other as brothers and sisters. They perceive themselves primarily to be part of the family of God. Friendship's great. We looked at friendship last week, but, the, but, but overwhelmingly the more common vocabulary to describe the relationship that we have as believers to one another is brother and sister. I love the way how Bronwyn Lee, the author of the, the new book Beyond Awkward Side Hugs, expresses it. And just as a plug, Bronwyn's going to be speaking at our Presbyterian uh, Women's Conference in September the 18th online. You can check details with me about that later. But she says this, When Jesus invites us to share his relationship with the Father, we also enter into a new relationship with every other person who calls on that same Father. They are our siblings, co-heirs, co-conspirators, brothers and sisters. Our relationship with other believers are not like those in a global fan club in which we all happen to worship the same person. We have more than our love for Arsenal football or Beyonce in common. When we are adopted into the family of God, our relationships with one another change in a profound way. When Jesus looked around and addressed those who believed in him as his brothers and sisters, he wasn't being poetic and sentimental. 
He was proclaiming a new reality. And that's the idea that we've got to grasp here. That as you look around at your church family, as you look at Christians around the world, as Meg was explaining to the kids earlier, that wherever people are believing, wherever they might be in this world, the reality is that they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Regardless of how close you may feel to them, regardless of where they are in the world, in Christ we've been made into a spiritual family with one another. And that's the primary way that we need to see and understand who we are to one another in Christ. So point number one, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Number two, though, brothers and sisters forever. What does it it mean for us to be brothers and sisters? What's special about this relationship as opposed to something like friendship? Well, when you think about friendship, it's typically marked by something where there is affection between two people, right? That's normally how you become friends. You spend enough time with each other, you get to know each other, you're around each other, you're in the same place enough, and at some point or another, you just you find that rhythm, that connection where you say, yes, I'm in on this person. And, you know, when in good friendships, that grows into loving commitment, right? But brothers and sisters, that's, that's different. You wouldn't always choose your brothers and sisters to be the people that you are most intimate and close to. It's not something that's first and foremost based on affection. It's something that you're born into. It's like we said before. We join the family of God, not when we choose to become brothers and sisters, but when we choose to believe in Jesus. The byproduct of that is we're born into this spiritual family with other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's really interesting when we look at Proverbs 17.17 17, to see how it sort of contrasts and compares slightly this friendship relationship versus a brother relationship. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Isn't that interesting? The way that friendship is put in terms of affection at all times, but a brother is born to adversity. Now, of course, friends who care for us are there for us in adversity. They're they're there for us in all times as well. But it's so interesting here that in the proverb, and there's not many that speak about this relationship, that in this proverb... Friendship affection is contrasted with being born into brotherhood and sisterhood, even in times of trouble and challenge, maybe even especially so. And I don't want to make too much of this, but I think it's something that we all sort of intuitively know, right? There's something special about that brother-sister relationship where no matter what you go through, it's unbreakable, it doesn't change, again, because it's not something that you've chosen, it's something that you're born into. If you grew up in a family of brothers or sisters, or if you're parents to children who are brothers and sisters, you know that they fight. They can go at it hammer and tongs. And as a parent, it's heartbreaking to see your kids when they're treating each other poorly like that. But at the same time, it's amazing how quick that switch can flip when all of a sudden there's a perceived common enemy, or maybe one of you is actually suddenly in serious trouble, and that animosity and that Anger with one another can immediately turn towards we're here for each other. There's something special about that sibling relationship where it's not something that's always based on affection. It's not something about the feels that we always have towards each other, but rather this sense of we have been linked together and we have this unbreakable connection, even in families and situations. And I want to be sympathetic to this, where I know there's been pain and suffering. But even in that, it kind of speaks to that unbreakable nature of it. The reason it hurts so much when we have fallouts with brothers and sisters is because we know that's not how it's meant to be. That it, that that we're not meant to be broken from one another. We've been joined together and it's tragic that there's been a split in that relationship. 
So I'm not saying that a typical human sibling relationship be marked by animosity. Uh, Lily, Daniel, Maddie and AJ, don't take that as an excuse this morning to be mean to each other. But rather, as we recognise what's special about this brother and sister relationship, we need to recognise that even in conflict, there's still something that joins us together. We're brothers and sisters forever, regardless of what we might choose. So that's point number two. Number three is, what does healthy sibling relationship in Christ look like? Well, I think first and foremost, okay, much the same as it is with friendship, when we think about relationship in Christ, we need to look to Jesus and what he's done for us first to really understand what any healthy relationship looks like. And in that Hebrews passage before, it spoke about how Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers, but it links it immediately to what Jesus has done for us. Let me read it again. Since the children of flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus, in calling us brothers, his love for us as brothers and sisters is best expressed in the fact that he was willing to lay down his life for us, that he loved us to the point where he would sacrifice himself in order to set us free. And healthy relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ always begins with that same sacrificial love that Jesus has shown us. A willingness to lay down ourselves and our own concerns and our own desires and our own hopes and our own dreams in order to love others well. That's the model that Jesus puts before us and it's that same spirit that Jesus had that works in us, that's joined us to the Father and joined us to one another. That's the starting point of good relationships for brothers and sisters in Christ. The second one flows out of that and it's this idea that again and again in Scripture we see this, this sense of caring for one another. So it says in Romans 12, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. I could show you a bunch of examples where this is spoken to Christians, but here that brother language is tied most closely to it. Love each other in brotherly love. Be devoted to one another. One another. Honor one another above yourselves. In Galatians 6, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, for you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is an interesting one, and it gives us a little bit more of a highlight here. We have to be assured that in our brother-sister relationships, that our first responsibility is to Christ and obedience to him, as we seek to care for others, don't be tempted to sin. Also, our first responsibility is obedience to the Lord. But at the same time, when our brothers and sisters are in sin, when they're in hardship, when they're in difficulty, our heart should be to restore them towards Christ, to bear each other's burdens. Brother and sister relationships are going to mean sacrifice. It's going to mean taking extra weight on ourselves if we're going to do it well. And while our first responsibility remains obedience to the Lord, there's a sense in which I'm going to take more weight upon my shoulders in order for us as a family to be moving as a community towards restoration with God and living for him. So, the first idea there is that we are sacrificially loving each other like Jesus has done for us, that there's this mutual care and concern and shouldering one another's burdens. And the third thing that I want to say this morning, and there's probably more that we could say, but this is the three that I've landed on, The third thing is is that understanding what it means for us to be brothers and sisters in Christ gives us a way for brothers and sisters to relate to one another that's beyond the sexual. See, in our culture, 
from really young, we're encouraged to see people of the opposite sex or people that we're attracted to as potential partners for you know romance, for sex, whatever the case may be. And in boys, that sort of gets shaped culturally in one way, often visually and all that sort of stuff. In girls, it, it gets shaped a little bit more towards romance, although even those sorts of stereotypes are breaking down more and more. And we're encouraged all the time to see people outside of ourselves that we're attracted to as potential sexual objects. And there's all sorts of objectification that goes on. But in that brother-sister relationship that we see that we're encouraged to have in Christ, it gives us a framework for relating to people, even people that we're attracted to, in the best way possible. Not as sexual objects for our gratification, but rather as people that we warmly and affectionately care for and love as fellow members of our same family. It sets us free to have close and warm and intimate and personal relationships with people without that sexual element being the dominant category for us to think about. Now, obviously, if you're single, there's the potential for somebody who is your sister or brother in Christ to move towards being your spouse as well. But weirdly enough, that brother-sister dynamic doesn't actually stop. You remain brother and sister in Christ, even though you're also spouses with one another. And so the way for us to have really healthy brother-sister relationships in the church is not for us to have a bunch of legalistic rules that sort of says this is what you can and cannot do as far as how you relate to each other, but for us to see each other first and foremost as brothers and sisters in Christ and to pursue warm, affectionate, caring relationship where we mutually encourage each other, mutually care for each other in that space. And this is something that we can do across the board. It's not just you know people in the same season of life. We're brothers and sisters with our older brothers and sisters, however old they might be and however white their hair might be. And you who are older have brothers and sisters in Christ who are younger than you, much younger in some cases. But we're all part of the same family, and this sibling idea gives us a really healthy way to pursue deep and meaningful relationship in these spaces. All right. So we've looked at this idea that in Christ we're made part of the same family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We understand now that there's a sense in which we are brothers and sisters forever. It's something that we're born into. It's not something that we've necessarily chosen. It's just something that is, and that's what makes it special. And then we've looked briefly now at what it means for us to have healthy relationships in Christ, where we sacrificially love like Jesus has loved us through his death on the cross, where we mutually care for each other and shoulder one another's burdens and responsibilities and walk together, and where we pursue deep, warm, affectionate relationship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ instead of objectifying each other sexually. And when we put it all together, this is, I think, the the, the take-home framework for us to think about, okay? For us as Christians, as we interact with our church family here at Gosford PC, and, you know, globally as well, the primary way that we need to see each other is as brothers and sisters in Christ. Our church family is spiritual family. I think that we're uncomfortable using that word family these days because we have complicated family histories ourselves. It can sometimes feel artificial, can sometimes feel a little bit forced because family means so much for all of us. But the thing is, is that when we understand what this is rightly and biblically, this is just something that is. We are family, whether you like it or not. And when you think about it, that's the case with our blood relations as well. You are family, whether you like it or not. Regardless of what your affection may be at one particular point in time, we are family. I'm glad that my brother and I haven't had a falling out. I'm sad that we don't get to spend as much time together as what we might like. But nothing changes the fact that we are brothers. 
And nothing changes the fact that church family is spiritual family. There's something that God has done and borne us into. And it's unbreakable. It's never going to change. Even when there is a falling out. Even when we have hurt each other. And this is something that we have to recognize. As Christians, we fight. We mess up. We hurt each other. And sometimes there's reconciliation and that's beautiful. And sometimes in this fallen world, we don't get there. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. And it doesn't change the fact that we still have a responsibility to love one another, even if we have to put up boundaries to protect ourselves, even if there's still hurt and grief and pain there. We remain brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of where our feelings might be. And whatever that might look like, we need to still show love and care and a desire to see them restored to God or for us to be restored to God ourselves. And if all I can do for a brother and sister in Christ that I've been in a difficult situation with is pray for them and pray for the restoration, so be it. But the important thing is that I recognize that that brother-sisterness of our relationship is unbreakable. It's something we're born to. It's a gift of God. But then, we've got this awesome opportunity to do it positively, to do it well, to love one another as Christ has loved us, to carry each other's burdens in the graciousness that God has given to us, and to pursue warm, deep, affectionate relationship where we enjoy each other. Where, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we enjoy the relationship that we have. Now, just like in a real family, there's going to be some brothers and sisters that you're closer to than others. That's okay. This doesn't put a pressure on you to be have this deep, close, intimate relationship with everyone that you're in church with. But it does mean that as we recognize what God has done, that we see each other as brothers and sisters and pursue the warmth that we can. Some of them are going to be close friends. Some of them are going to be people that hurt you. Some of them are going to be people that you really respect and look up to and admire. Some people are going to be the crazy uncle that you try to avoid at reunions. That's okay too. The important thing is is that we recognize that regardless of what we choose, we are family. And we seek to love as best we can by the power of God's spirit within us. The same spirit that's joined us to one another through what Christ has done for us. So, church family, can I encourage you this morning for this week, to go forth in the power of God's Spirit, seeking to love one another in your homes, yes, with the the family that you find yourself uh, in lockdown with here in New South Wales, but also to be mindful of those brothers and sisters who are scattered in their homes and to seek ways to love one another, to connect with one another, to care for one another, even if we're not in the same space. Because it doesn't matter whether we're in lockdown or not, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, sharing the same Spirit, called to love one another well. And I'm going to pray for us to do that now. Father God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for his death on the cross that set us free from slavery to sin and death. And thank you that in believing in him, we've been made brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Father, for the great joy that it is to be part of your family. And even sometimes that, even though sometimes that brings challenges and there can be conflict, Father, we thank you that the same spirit that's risen you from the dead lives in us and makes peace and reconciliation possible. But even in those times, Father, when there is still unresolved hurts and there's difficulty, help us to keep loving one another. Help us to keep seeing each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to seek to love one another well with the example that you've set before us and with your spirit active and alive in us. And help us to have warm relationship with one another. Deep, affectionate care and concern where we seek to lift one another up and to live for your glory together as your family. 
And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.